News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Going over some of the sound bites from the uh, closing arguments yesterday in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. This is Assistant District Attorney Thomas Binger, uh, who says that Rittenhouse was not behaving reasonably, and that is important because that's the standard that the jury is supposed to uh, measure their verdict against. The standard, when you make this decision, is what a person of ordinary intelligence and prudence would have believed in the defendant's position under the circumstances that existed at the time of the alleged offense. The reasonableness of the defendant's beliefs must be determined from the standpoint of the defendant at the time of the defendant's acts and not from the viewpoint of the jury now. So put yourself in the defendant's position. Okay. Would you have done the same thing? Probably. Would a reasonable person have done the same thing? Yeah, probably. Would you have engaged in the reckless conduct that led to this course of events? Would you have gone out after curfew with an AR-15 looking for trouble? Would you have aimed at other people? Would you have tried to use the gun to protect an empty car lot? No reasonable person would have done these things. I disagree. The court has also instructed you on provocation. You cannot hide behind self-defense if you provoked the incident. If you created the danger, you forfeit the right to self-defense. That is true. By bringing that gun, aiming it at people, threatening people's lives. Wait, what? The defendant provoked everything. See, so this is now, this is this is the shift in the prosecution's argument. They're, what they started off this case arguing is not where they ended up. And the defense attorney, Mark Richards, makes a point of this. This is not their original argument. They're now saying that Kyle Rittenhouse was an active shooter. That's why the crowd reacted to him and attacked him the way they did. Not that it was a violent mob that had been engaged in violence for the past, you know, three or four nights straight. That wasn't what did it. No, no, it was Kyle Rittenhouse. They were just uniquely aggravated and provoked by Kyle Rittenhouse. That's why they attacked him. So because they were provoked by him, he doesn't get to claim self-defense, even though he's running away, which is interesting. Anybody who has ever taken a concealed carry class has heard the story of how you don't get to shoot the guy who's running out of your house, right? The guy who, who who's running away and you shoot him in the back as he's running away. What happens to you? You go to jail, right? You're in a lot of trouble. Because he is no longer a threat. He is running away. Yet, in this prosecutor's mind, Rittenhouse is still the threat. And that's why people chased him down, you see. Because he provoked Rosenbaum to chase him. That's the prosecution's argument. It is a ridiculous argument, to be sure. But this is their argument. And if he does that, he has to exhaust all reasonable means to avoid a confrontation. All reasonable means. So if Joseph Rosenbaum's running at him, Joseph Rosenbaum is no threat to his life. What? And not only is the defendant expected to run, he's expected to yell, push, shove that rag doll around, run back for help, call 911, call for help, do all sorts of other things besides just turn and fire four shots. So he's so 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse should have turned to engage in fisticuffs with the crazy guy that the DA says 
is such a small guy that people in the crowd were pushing him around like a rag doll. That's why he mentioned rag doll. He's trying to minimize in the minds of the jurors. He's trying to minimize the threat that Rosenbaum posed. As Joseph Rosenbaum falls helpless to the ground. Boom, boom, boom. Four shots. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no doubt in this case that the defendant committed these crimes. Mm -hmm. He committed a first degree reckless homicide against Joseph Rosenbaum. He put Richie McGinnis's life in jeopardy. He put Jump Kick Man's life in jeopardy. (laughs) He intended to kill Anthony Huber, and he attempted to kill Gage Grosskreutz. All of those elements are true. The question is whether or not you believe that his actions were legally justified. And I submit to you that no reasonable person would have done what the defendant did. And that makes your decision easy. Right, so that's his argument. Now, uh, he also described Joseph Rosenbaum as basically a peaceful guy. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Joseph Rosenbaum, and you've heard some testimony about him. Yeah. He had been in the hospital, left it that day, had a clear plastic bag with his possessions, toiletries, a water bottle. We've all seen this. You get it in the hospital. It's pretty common. He's walking around like it's pretty much his only possession in the world. He visits Carrie Ann Swart, his girlfriend, and then happens to wander downtown into the middle of civil unrest. Wander. No indication he planned to be there. No indication he's part of any sort of movement. He walked four miles downtown to get to the site of the protest. His girlfriend said, don't go there. And he did. Oh, but he just stumbled downtown. He just wandered downtown. He just happens to stumble into it. Oh, my gosh. So what does he do that night? Oh, let me tell you all the awful things Joseph Rosenbaum did. He tipped over a porta potty that had no one in it. He swung a chain. He lit a metal garbage dumpster on fire. Oh, and there's this empty wooden flatbed trailer that they pulled out in the middle of the road and they tipped it over to stop some bear cats and they lit it on fire. Wait, do you think this is helping? Oh, and he said some bad words. He said the N-word. Wait a minute, wait, hang on a second. Do you think that helped? This is the DA running through all of the bad things. In other words, he just gave you a rundown of all of the riotous behavior that Rosenbaum was participating in. But did you catch the part where, oh, he swung a chain. So he had a weapon, a metal chain. Interesting. If he were alive today, like Joshua Zeminski, I'd probably try and prosecute him for arson, but I can't because the defendant killed him. But that's the way we deal with people that do these things. When you commit arson, we prosecute you. We don't execute you in the street. And I'm not here to to say that the things that Joseph Rosenbaum did were good or that I condone that kind of behavior. Not at all. No, he's tough on crime now. he didn't deserve to die for it. You can't kill someone for these things. He's five foot four, 150 pounds. Jason Lukowski characterized him as a babbling idiot. Lukowski says, I turned my back and walked away. This guy wasn't even a threat. I think we all know somebody like Joseph Rosenbaum, the Napoleon complex, the little guy who just wants to chatter. But when it comes down to it, it's all bark. It's no bite. It's like a little dog. Bark, 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 bark. But really, ain't going to do anything. 
I love how he knows these there things. There is no... I love how this assistant DA is so sure that an insane person just out of the hospital who's screaming at people and chasing people who are armed with AR-15s that he's not a threat to anybody. He's just a little yapping dog. He wouldn't do anything. Dispute in this record that at no point that night did Joseph Rosenbaum hurt anyone. Never had a gun, never had a knife, never had a bat, never had a club. He did have a chain, though. Is that important? He did have a chain. You just said a minute ago he had a chain. But it wasn't a club, so not a threat. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Assistant District Attorney up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Thomas Binger, said uh, in his closing arguments that not a single one of the people who attacked Kyle Rittenhouse posed an imminent threat of bodily harm or death. That was their argument, that nobody posed an imminent threat of bodily harm or death. Tim, stay on the line. I'll get to you in a minute. First, here's a quick soundbite from uh, Binger from yesterday. The court has also instructed you on provocation. You cannot hide behind self-defense if you provoked the incident. If you created the danger, you forfeit the right to self-defense. By bringing that gun, aiming it at people, threatening people's lives... He didn't do that. The defendant provoked everything. He didn't. And if he does that, he has to exhaust all reasonable means to avoid a confrontation. All reasonable means. So if Joseph Rosenbaum's running at him, Joseph Rosenbaum is no threat to his life. And not only is the defendant expected to run, he's expected to yell, push, shove that rag doll around, run back for help, call 911, Mm -hmm. call for help, do all sorts of other things besides just turn and fire four shots as Joseph Rosenbaum falls helpless to the ground. Yeah, so that's that's the premise of their argument. I find it to be a ridiculous argument, not supported by the evidence that I saw. But again, I don't make predictions on jury trials because juries are weird, man. <laughs> juries can be weird. All right, Tim, welcome to the program. Hello, Tim. How are you? Hey, Pete. Hi. What's hey, up? my son Bear. He's a he's a boxer and he's trained MMA and. Mm. 150 pounds, that's like the most dangerous weight you can fight. They're quick, they're fast, and they're strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what this guy's thinking, but um, <laughs> apparently he's apparently he needs one of them beatdowns. But the other part of that is the, the man's, the, the Rosenbaum's mentally ill. Yeah. A mentally ill person, you just, you, you don't know. the most dangerous thing you can be around. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. crazy? You don't want to fight crazy, because you can't. You can't convince them with logic or rationality. It's very difficult to diffuse a situation because they're not motivated by rationality or logic. So, yeah, that's a really dangerous person to fight. Everybody, anybody who's been in a fight knows this. That's why if you're going to get in a fight, it kind of helps to get psyched up and get a little crazy, right? There's a reason why anybody that's uh, been in, in the hospital for mental illness I mean, you, you can't carry a weapon. I mean, there's things that you yeah. can't do anymore because you're not thinking with your uh, full faculties. Yeah. No, it's a good point, and uh, thanks for the call. Tim, I appreciate it, man. All right, thanks. Uh, and the, the point about the 
his son being a fighter at that weight. It's true. They're quick and strong. And this guy, by the way, uh, Rosenbaum, you see pictures of him. He may have been small. What did he say? Five foot four, whatever, 150 pounds. But dude was ripped. Yeah, he was cut. Like, he he looked to be a strong guy. And to a 17-year-old kid with very limited real-world experience, do you think that, I don't know, maybe he was kind of scared of the guy? I think so. But also, um, the idea that Rosenbaum, for some reason, got triggered and then ran at the guy with the gun, pursued him for, what, half a block across the parking lot, trying to chase him down. Is that something, is that a rational act? That's what the DA is arguing. That's what the prosecutor's arguing, that that somehow was justifiable. And so when Rittenhouse started running away for the half a block or whatever it was, that that somehow wasn't a fulfillment of the duty to retreat, which is, I don't know, it seems very much a fulfillment of the duty to retreat. He's literally retreating. He's running away. But Rosenbaum who is not sane, pursues, chases him. So uh, Binger also then argued that Rose or that Rittenhouse is a fraud. He was a fraud, and uh, this, uh, this point that he was making about the bullets, that a bullet is a bullet, and that um, a gun is a gun, and the DA said that that is just ignorant and reckless, this, I, these ideas that he's espousing. It's reckless and ignorant. He then picks up the AR-15, puts his finger on the trigger, <laughs> and points it at the wall right next to the jury box. Speaking of reckless and ignorant, <laughs> this is, what are you doing, man? Like, he is now the poster child for poor form. Like, you, that is, that is not, look, anybody who has ever taken any kind of gun class knows you don't put your finger on the trigger ever unless you are going to pull it. But he did. The assistant DA did. I get the sense the guy doesn't know. He And at one point he said, there's no such thing. I think this was actually the other uh, assistant DA. Uh, Krause was his name. What was his first name? James Krause. I've got some audio from him too. But James Krause then gets up and says that there was there's no such thing as a left-handed or right-handed gun. <laughs> okay. Okay. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The Charlotte Auto Show is in town. Yep, Thursday through Sunday. It's over at the Charlotte Convention Center. And uh, this is the 28th year at the Charlotte Convention Center. They've got tons of manufacturers displaying latest makes and models. You can compare and contrast them all. You can actually... Uh, save a bunch of time and shop in a family-friendly, low-pressure environment. There are test drives that are going to be available with Ford and Chevy. They got electric vehicle test drives. They got uh, Luxury Lane is back, and um, Subaru loves pets. No, I just felt like I would say that right now. No, it's a display. They're going to be adopting puppies and dogs from local shelters. I mean, come on, what better way to spend some time? Come on down to the Charlotte Convention Center. I'm going to be broadcasting, actually. We all will be on Thursday, 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 at the Convention Center, the 28th Annual Charlotte Auto Show. And uh, check out the Family Fun Zone, too. You can visit charlotteautoshow.com for tickets and event details. So the uh, assistant DA, I want to play this last chunk of audio. This is Thomas Binger, and uh, he calls Rittenhouse a fraud. 
And uh, then he calls him, you know, reckless and ignorant. But he also then uh, brings back up this guy, Gage Grosskreutz. And there's one point that the DA omits on this. Didn't seem to know or care much about the type of ammunition or the type of gun. You had a couple of witnesses tell us in this trial, and it just, I could not believe it. A, a gun is a gun is a gun. Yeah. Don't, don't even start with that. And a bullet what? is a bullet. No, it is not. It is not. And anybody who says that is ignorant and reckless. Because there are some important distinctions here. Full metal jacket ammunition is capable of piercing body armor and squad cars. And you heard Officer Krieger testify that when they heard someone was running around with a rifle, he went and got his plate armor out of the back because their regular body armor wasn't going to stop those rounds. There were a bunch of people with... Ryan Balch talked about how full rifles. metal jacket ammunition is designed, and this is a former Army infantryman, is designed to go through a target like a deer or a person and continue on. He says it can hit a target 550 yards away. That's five and a half football fields. And he explained that he had a handgun that night, which he put hollow point ammunition on. And that's what he was planning on using for self-defense. Because hollow point ammunition acts differently. It's going to hit its target, but it's not designed to continue on and go through and hit other targets. So you will hit what you hit, but you're not going to put the rest of the community at risk, especially on a night when there are hundreds of people out on the streets Think about in what a he's saying. heavy residential area. Yeah, he's saying, look, I, I mean, I'm going to use this this hollow point in order to, you know, do as much tissue damage as possible. <laughs> Dude, this is the art. Like, he's relying on the ignorance of the jury right now. We can see on that map. The car source, there are houses, there are churches, there are daycares, there are schools nearby, and you're firing full metal jacket ammunition around. I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that that AR-15 had no lawful or legitimate purpose that night. Now, the Second Amendment allows people to carry guns. That is true. There are people who can't carry guns, convicted felons, for example. But, generally speaking, I'm not saying people don't have the right to carry a gun. What I'm saying is that AR-15 did not accomplish any of the goals that these folks said it was going to. So, for example, Ryan Balch says the handgun is what he was going to use for self-defense. Several witnesses agreed you can't point this gun or shoot this gun at people to protect property. So if you're going to protect the car source building, how is this gun going to help with that? Really? Wait, really? Is that a question? The defendant has admitted the gun was useless when he was going to treat people as a medic because it got in the way. He had to take it off and hand it to someone. So you can't use it as a medic. You can't use it to protect the building. So what's it there for? Mm -hmm. Well, it looks pretty imposing and it has some deterrence value. But Jason Lakowski, Dominic Black, and Ryan Balch all said they never actually intended to use their guns. So why is it there? The defendant was wearing a sling that night. He purchased that sling at Jelinski's that afternoon. The purpose of the sling was so the gun couldn't be taken away. Wouldn't fall off, he wouldn't lose possession of it. It was designed to help him retain possession of that gun. And he loaded it with 30 rounds, the full magazine. Oh. Capable of killing 30 people or more. 
Why do you need 30 rounds of full metal jacket armor to protect a building? This AR-15 is completely incompatible with the role of a medic. Is that a serious question again? Like, he's asking these questions rather than, see, this is how you make the assertion without making an assertion. You ask it in the form of a question, so this way you could say, I'm just asking the question. Right, because the answer is quite obviously, you know, you're an idiot. That's the answer to that question. Richie McGinnis testified he's been to demonstrations in Seattle, Portland, Washington, D.C., New York, different gun Minneapolis. Laws, different he's gun never laws. seen anyone walking around claiming to be a medic with an AR-15. And certainly when you see someone like that, it doesn't exactly send a warm, fuzzy message. Oh, come to me. I'm here to help. Well, unless you're part of like the protector militia group. Those guys probably would run towards him, right? They probably wouldn't be keen on running towards, you know, Grosskreutz, the commie. And the defendant acknowledged he had to take off his AR-15 to treat people. Mm-hmm. No serious, credible medic wears an AR-15 slung around their body. That's because the defendant was a fraud. He was not an AMT. He lied. He lied to the press. He's being interviewed by Richie McGinnis, who he hears is a member of the media, and he says, I'm a certified EMT. You're lying. What? You're absolutely lying. Did you say he lying? Jason Lukowski and Dominic Black said the defendant had to borrow his medical supplies from us. This is an emergency situation. Everybody's anticipating violence. Right. Everybody's prepared for people to be hurt, harmed, injured. And yet the defendant's going to go there and walk around claiming to be a medic? He's like a quack doctor practicing without a license. That puts lives at risk. It's almost like, I don't know, like a breakdown in society and, and order occurred during the riot. It's almost like that. There's one last part here, though. There's one last part. And one of the things I had Gage Grosskreutz testify about is that tattoo on his right arm, yes. which said, first, do no harm, which is one of the precepts, one of the fundamental tenets of the practice of medicine. First, do no harm. Yeah. You know what the bottom of the tattoo said? Do no harm with a K-N-O-W. Do no harm. It was an ironic tattoo, moron. He's an Antifa communist LARPer. Do you get the gag? It's do no harm, do no harm. In other words, no harm. In other words, inflict it where you want to and can. Good grief, man. Why are people so stupid? Who says, disgusting lies from the prosecution. The defense ought to reread the testimony where the surviving rioter says he wasn't shot until after aiming at Rittenhouse. Yeah, that was Gage Grosskreutz, the one with the tattoo. Do no harm, do no harm. It, 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 it matters. He had the saying written twice on his arm, once spelled N-O harm, and the other is K-N-O-W harm. Get it? He's, he's an Antifa commie LARPer revolutionary. He's part of the group, sorry, affiliated with the group. Was it the, the People's Revolution or whatever it was called? Eric also says, hollow points can also punch through non-armored vehicles. Car doors are quite thin. Um, 
Next up, we've got the defense attorney, Mark Richards. He says the prosecution's argument that the mob was acting heroically, trying to stop an active shooter. I'm not kidding, by the way. This is what the the prosecution shifted to argue that the crowd was attacking Rittenhouse because they thought he was an active shooter. That's why they brained him with a skateboard. They were completely peaceful until that point. Never would have considered hurting another person. They were just tipping over porta potties or messing around with a fire or something. Who cares? This active shooter. The defense attorney says this assumes that the mob was not a mob. What you see throughout event number two, and this is the beginning of it, is individuals working in a mob. Right. They, they don't know what happened at Car Source 3, event number one. But somebody said, hey, he shot somebody. Doesn't know that he was being chased by a crazy person. But they're going to get their licks in on Kyle Rittenhouse or, as they perceive him, somebody from the other side mm-hmm. who has been putting out their fires, causing problems for their, for them, stopping them from wreaking havoc in Kenosha like they did the night before. And, ladies and gentlemen, the standard is likely to cause death or great bodily harm. Great bodily harm is defined as likely to cause serious bodily injury. A kick to the head is likely to cause a serious injury. Did my client suffer a debilitating injury as a result of that? No, but that's not the standard. Right. Richards also goes on to note that Kyle Rittenhouse was, in fact, running away. The state wants to call my client an active shooter. And the reason they want to do that is because of the loaded connotations of that word. Everyone has heard of the theater killings, the school shootings, and things like that. Ask yourself, the definition of an active shooter is somebody with a plan to inflict multiple casualties, usually out of anger or animus towards a group. This case, what caused Kyle Rittenhouse to shoot somebody? Joseph Rosenbaum. He runs after shooting Joseph Rosenbaum for almost two blocks before scene number two. Mr. Binger makes a big thing about Kyle Rittenhouse not staying around. Car source three after the shooting. Ladies and gentlemen, if Kyle Rittenhouse had stayed at car source three, all that would have happened is it would have made the police have an easier job because scene one and scene two would have been put in the same location. My client ran two blocks without shooting at anyone, pointing at anyone, doing anything to try and get away. He tells the individuals he's going to the police and he's running in that direction when he stopped. He's hitting the head with a hand with a rock in it, knocking his hat off. Mr. Binger says, oh, he just knocked his hat off. I don't think that individual was trying to steal Mr. Rittenhouse's hat. (laughs) He was trying to take his head off. Right. Who comes in next? Anthony Huber, for the first time. Hits him, 
Opening statement, Mr. Binger, was he takes a swing at him. Now it's he blocked because we took the videotape and lightened it up. Huber strikes him in the head and arm the first time. Jump kick man comes in, kicks him in the face, spins his body 180 degrees, and Anthony Huber comes in for the second lick to the shoulder neck area trying to take his head off. And when he does that, his other hand goes grabbing for the gun, his bare hand onto the gun and pulling it away from Kyle Rittenhouse. Mr. Binger wants Kyle to sit there and hope and pray to God his strap works and Anthony Huber can't get the gun. We don't know that, we'll never know that as he's running away from him. A shot as the gun is being separated from his body and you'll see the butt way far away when the shot is finally fired. Even Gage Grosquitz said he was concerned about the blows that Jump Kick Man and Anthony Huber were inflicting on Kyle's head. Right, and also, you have to believe then that once the blows were delivered, and if Huber was successful in dragging the gun off of uh, Rittenhouse's body, or even if he wasn't, even if it was just enough to keep Rittenhouse from gain uh, from maintaining control of the weapon, you have to believe that the rest of the mob was not about to descend upon him and beat the tar out of him. Because that's what was going to happen. They probably would have killed him because they were uh, chasing him because he had just shot somebody. That's why they were chasing him. Do you think the crowd would have not killed him? It's a mob that's already been engaged in violence for three or four straight nights. Yeah. Up next, we're going to hear James Krause. He is the other assistant DA. And uh, <laughs> this guy's argument is that Rittenhouse should have been a man and fought Rosenbaum with his hands. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's up next. Stay tuned.